Hey, welcome guys. What's going on? This is your boy Rico here. The one and only. Nike travel here. Yeah. <laughs> Overdub that onto the other part. Onto the other part, right? Yeah. Make that happen. That's actually pretty nice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you all back to another episode of 18 Avenue Podcast, man. And today I'm here with Mikey Travels. You can call me Mikey B or just Mike. Mikey B? Mikey B. Mikey Last B. Man, you already know. Rico yeah. B over here. Yeah. And Mikey B also stems into Mikey Beats. <laughs> this is hot. This is hot. So if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, uh, this is uh, 18 Avenue Podcast. And we talk about cultural people and their stories and today mikey of course you are a photographer that's correct um, now what type of photographer would you say you are tough to classify i'd probably put it more into the landscape a little okay. bit of abstract i guess okay. you know it's definitely outside of portraiture you know i do that on the side a little bit but right definitely more like my scenes you know yeah yeah I try to build a, a mood sort of thing pretty awesome you know what and that's actually how we met yeah, few years ago. It is. Yeah, that's that's how we, we met we because were on the hill there. We, <laughs> what's that hill called? Uh, Scotsman's Hill. Oh, it's uh, actually not too far from here. Just like over no, there. it's not actually. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I used to think it was so far. Yeah. Until I started driving around in this neighborhood, and I'm like, oh, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just comes to show Calgary is such a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many like vista points too, you know, all those hills you can just get up there and get great vantage points all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um so Mikey, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Clavette, just outside of Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. Clavette. Yeah. Clavette. Uh yeah, C L A V E T, Clavette. Okay. Yeah, and I, I was thinking Corvette when you said <laughs> Corvette. Yeah. Nice car, but <laughs> <Yeah. no>. <laughs> I wouldn't call that town a Corvette. <laughs> um, that's that's pretty awesome. So, what was uh, what was growing up in uh, Clivette like? Uh, it was you know it was quaint. It was a small town. There was probably six hundred people in the town. I went to the same school from K to twelve. There was probably only about six hundred and some kids in the school because they came from surrounding areas as well, outside of the town. So, but it was it was good. You know, it was peaceful. You know, very calm, quiet. So, okay, a lot and of this gravel is gravel roads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's sm- it's funny we're talking about small town because you know I grew up in Newfoundland. Yeah. So I can I can understand now. What's the what would you say the population is there? In Clavette. In Clavette, yeah. I mean, now it's probably pushing more like seven, eight hundred. But yeah, back then it was six hundred. Really? Eh? Roughly, yeah. It was small. I think seven, eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah, there was only I think three streets and like two avenues. You know, it was pretty small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know they've expanded since I left. I I left when I was seventeen, so okay. I've been oh five. Yeah, I think uh, St. John's itself was uh, 
hundred thousand at one time. I'm not sure what it is now, and I don't want to uh, put out the wrong quote over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was nice because like it was still close enough to Saskatoon. Okay. Like, it was only a ten minute drive to Saskatoon. Okay. So if we needed anything, the city was right there, right? Cool. So when did you move here, Calgary? Uh, I moved here in 2015. I actually came out here to go to SAIT to go to school. I was taking civil engineering. And my initial plan was to come out here, do my two years, and then I was going to go back and work in Saskatoon. But after spending two years in Calgary, I really liked it, and I met some good friends, and I was just like, why why go back? I'm just going to stick around, and I've been here since. You've been here since, like the rest of us, eh? Yeah. <laughs> just chilling, hanging out, That's taking it in, <laughs> sucking it in. So you've been here for how many years exactly? Uh, five and a half. Oh, so that's not, that's not very... Yeah, no, I'm still kind of new to Calgary. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, we've been here for well, about the, the, the same amount of time. Yeah. I, I, so when I met you a few years back, it was you were probably into your second year or yeah, your year. Yeah, real fresh. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just been beginning on the whole photography train. Too, right, right. I hadn't even really been doing that much. Right. I started doing that while I was here. Right. So back in Saskatoon, I mean, we didn't really have the nice views and things that Calgary has to offer, so there wasn't really a lot of opportunity for photography and what I like shooting. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. it wasn't until I got here. I actually kind of started from traveling, too. You know, I came to Calgary, and then I went on my first road trip to the States down to Denver. Right, right. And my idea was, oh, I, I haven't, you're, a lot of my friends aren't going to be able to see this, you know, so maybe I should take some pictures so that my friends can see Denver, right? And then after that, I just realized that I like taking pictures of things and places and stuff like that, so then I just started taking pictures back home. What was the coolest um, thing that you saw on that trip or the coolest thing that you experienced on that trip that could never slip your mind? For the very first trip, the Denver one there, mm -hmm. I think what really stands out was the downtown core. Because the way the city was set up, it reminds me a lot of Calgary. You know, it's got that outer ring road and it's got a central core kind of thing. But the difference was is that all of their sports stadiums are downtown. They've got their football stadium, their baseball stadium, their hockey ring, all there. And then they've also got an amusement park, kind of like a Six Flags, just right there in the downtown. And it's like also along a river, so it was really nice. And it was just, it was calm, you know, like for being a big city, 3.5 million or so people there. You know, it was very friendly. You know, I was actually surprised because, you know, I grew up in Canada and you always see on the media, you know, stigmatisms about the states, and you're always a little worried, oh, man, you know, I'm going to get <laughs> shot if I go down there. But, no, I went down there. The people were great, super friendly. So, yeah, I just had a really great time, and I was like, okay, I'm going to make it an annual thing. So every year I wanted to go back to the states, and I'd go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's funny you mentioned uh, the stigma and everything. i tell you what happened to me. Because okay. my family, you know, come to uh, Canada in 97, and so we're living in Newfoundland for the longest time. I mean, I go to junior high, elementary, high school there and everything. So yeah. when I finished the very first time, I would leave the island, right, to go to Montreal. I'm in Montreal, and I would never forget this experience for as long as I live. And I'm in Montreal, and we go to this club. Um, it's called Angel, uh, this nightclub. And when we get there, it's a, it's a, it's a black nightclub. So when we get there... You know, I'm I'm there with like Asian people, white people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, diverse group. And and for the, that was the first time I've seen since leaving Africa. It was the first time I was able to see so many black people in one place yeah, yeah. at the same time. 
it was a tremendous shock to me, right? And the, the crazy thing about it was that the, all I could think of was all the shit I heard on the news, <laughs> all the shit I seen in the movies. All the horror stories. I started thinking about Boys in the Hood, you know, how the, <laughs> the drive-by. So literally, the whole time, I'm standing there, I'm freaking... In my mind, I'm calculating, okay, there's going to be a drive-by now in a moment, right? Like, legit. Yeah. I would, where's my escape? Where's my escape? So I'm hiding behind people that are much bigger than me. I was like, yo, if it's a drive-by, they get hit first. <laughs> Dude, it was messed up. So it, it's funny. But isn't that interesting, though, is that we can literally grow up in the city, live, spend our entire life here, never leave, never travel, and all we know it's things we heard from our parents, things from the news. Like, how crazy you think that is? It's pretty crazy because, like, you know, a lot of the times, too, the media will only report those big stories, those crazy moments, right. you know. So they might be blowing things out of proportion a little right. bit, right? Because all you see is the bad. You know, they don't tend to report on a lot of the good stuff. Right. It's always just the negative. So you just get a negative thought of, like, holy crap, that place is crazy. Like, people are getting shot up right. and all this. and. It makes you a little worried to visit. Oh, absolutely. Right? But, but then you actually go to this place and you're like, what was all that fuss about? This is like the greatest little spot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you must be super excited that you were able to break that barrier because, you know, coming from Saskatoon, which is a small town, much like, you know, um, uh, St. John's is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so coming from there, I mean, you can only think about your friends and perhaps even their own experiences, just not having to leave. They're probably thinking, looking at your images, like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, why is he going? Have they ever just approached you and be like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, they're like just like, that. yo, dude, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. More people are like, wow, you got to go there? That's really neat. You know, like it's more of like, I, I think a little bit that they, they would like to, yeah. but a lot of people find it, they, they always think that it's a really big cash constraint to travel, but there's ways to do it on a budget that you can get around. Like when I go traveling, I, I drive. So it's, you know, I'm not paying for flights or plane tickets or anything gotcha. like that. Um, I usually do it during the summertime right. so I can go camping. Right. So you can find campsites that are either free or, you know, inexpensive, right? You can camp along the way. I, I don't often pay for accommodation unless I really feel like having a hotel room okay. for a night kind of thing. But, yeah, I tend to travel light. And then I also have uh, some friends that live down there. So we'll end up visiting them, and they'll just put us up at their house for a few days. Uh, and like the couch and whatnot and, yeah, and exactly. make b do so with that. Yeah, so when it comes down to it, really thing you only have to pay for is gas, food, and any little entertainment things you want. Right, do, right. right? I like so that. You can do it on a budget. Yeah. I think, uh, not my first trip, but one of the trips that I did down to California, I went all the way to uh, Bakersfield, California, mm -hmm. and back to here. And I think I did it on a budget of like 280 American dollars. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's under 500 and, and I was gone for a week. Yeah, I was gone for that's a week. That's wild. So. Yeah. That's wild. So you mentioned camping. Now, you also mentioned being in the city itself. Um, how does it work? Is it do you then decide that okay, you know what, I'm just gonna get a hotel if you're in a yeah. city? Um, sometimes okay. sometimes I'll go into the city and I'll visit and then I'll just, you know, bounce out of the city when we're all done checking out the sites and we'll just find like the nearest sort of either rest stop. I've even actually just stopped in rest stops sometimes. If you're doing a long drive and you're trying to get somewhere but there's nowhere to really stop, right. 
I'll just pull over into a rest stop, sleep in the car. That's interesting, man. I like that idea. What about what about shower and all that stuff that people normal people do? Like how that, that that's when you have to get like a campground that has those. Got it, got right? it. You know, because okay. you can find some that have shower access okay. and stuff like that. So you pay twenty bucks or forty dollars for the night, right? And and you can go and use you can the go and use the shower. Yeah. That's yeah. wild, so, man. But it will be crazy now, though, because now is like time of COVID. I'm sure a lot of those places are shut down, so it makes it very. Yeah. It would be a lot more. I mean, right now it's difficult to travel at all. Right. Like obviously, the borders closed. Can't go to the states right. right now. I actually, because I couldn't go to the states, I was hoping this year I'd get to go to PEI. Mm -hmm. I got a friend who lives out there, and I was just gonna fly to PEI, go visit him, and then it turns out that PEI is actually closed off. Really? Yeah. They uh they only have three ways in, right? You can take right. a bridge, you can take a ferry, or you can fly. So it's really easy for them to just, you know, say no. And you, if you're not a resident, you can't, you can't, in. you can't go in. Yeah. That's also so. wild too. Then you also have to consider the part where you get there. Then you have to quarantine, which is mandatory, yeah. which I think is pretty crazy, yeah. especially. Yeah. Um, and you're working, right? You're you're working right now. So if your work was to give you two weeks off, and say sure go, uh, but you need to be back yeah. in ten yeah. days or whatever, and you get to the city, it's not even feasible. Yeah. No, yeah, and, like, I'm pretty sure that if I had to do that, you know, it wouldn't even be a paid two weeks off, you know, it would just be two weeks of missing. Right, pretty much. Thing. You know, you're just forced into it, so. But, yeah, it's a good thing that, like, I had the friend out in PEI because I was literally calling him being like, hey, I'm going to come out and visit, and he told me that you can't. You have to be a resident to come in. Like, you can't come here. And then I went on their site, and I looked it up, and, yeah, sure enough, it was all closed off. That's crazy. That's so, wild. Oh. So this summer has just been kind of hanging yeah. out. So let's talk about, um, clearly, your mom and dad, are they, like, still together? They are, okay. yeah. Yeah, they've all been together my whole life. Rare couple, because most parents tend to split these days. But how exciting it must be, though, like... Yeah, it, it was, you know, I, I had a great childhood. I can't complain, honestly, you know. Two really good parents are still great parents. Love them to death. And they they'd give up the world, you know, for... That's cool. How many uh, siblings do you have? Uh, two sisters, both older. So you're the youngest in your family. I would you say that you're probably the most adventurous one, or? Um, I would definitely say that I'm a little bit more spontaneous in that. You know, like my sisters are very coordinated on their planning, and you know they they want things okay. done a certain way. Whereas <laughs> I'm kind of like my plan is to get in my car and go, and, and when go. I get there, I'll figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool man um i'm glad we're having this conversation so let's switch over and go to photography uh clearly you know i um i started this thing because i wanted to be able to have conversation with just everybody and anybody yeah. um photographers non-photographers videographers actors creators in general just creators in general people with stories with something to offer to the world that other people can benefit from because, you know, we live in a world today where we're all just so tied into our own little corner or grew up with a certain group of people and we're not willing to step out yeah, of that or break really those barriers. It's extremely hard, especially when you get really comfortable. Yeah. Imagine having chicken and dinner every day and suddenly um, somebody is telling you, hey, you know what? You need to go across the street because over there they're having just burger. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to have yeah. burger. You don't want to trade that kind of thing. Off. So I wanted to have this platform where we can all have this conversation. Um, so... What got you into photography in the first place? Well, I think I'll kind of jump back to it was the travel thing, right? Like I started out by just, oh, my friends are never going to be able to come here. So I want to take some pictures and share my adventures, right? And then I started, uh, first one was Denver, and then the second one was San Francisco. 
And then after San Francisco, when I got back to Calgary, I just realized that I just enjoyed taking pictures of things. So I just started shooting Calgary and going around here. And I was just using my phone at the time too, just shooting with a, I think an LG or something at the time. And you know, it took pretty good photos. You know, it had a couple different lenses on it. So, and that's sort of how I started it. And then, you know, I wasn't even on Instagram to begin with. And then I finally got on Instagram and it was actually Instagram that helped me network with more photographers and people around Calgary here. And actually the day that you met, I was actually just out meeting a fellow photographer that I had only ever spoken to on Instagram. You know, on we had Instagram. never actually officially met. Right. right. Like, hey, let's meet up. Oh, that was uh, Andy. Yeah, Andy. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were just kind of meeting up for the first time too. And oh, that's wild. Yeah, and I think at that point I had also finally gotten my DSLR, my Canon. So right, I right, yes. So I picked up my camera, and it was like, okay, right. now I'm learning a new camera. I'm meeting some new friends, finding some new vantage points in the city I've never been to. So it's just been like, like a constant experience and like growing and like learning as I go and learning from other people, you know, just networking, meeting those photographers, going out, doing those collaborating, and they taught me a lot of things they know, and maybe I'd bring some light to things that they didn't quite know about, you know, just right, tricks right. that I learned self-taught, right? Great. Uh, what would you say, what is your process? So let's say this is your location. Yeah. What would be your process going into a photo shoot having to capture this? Because well, you do do, by the way, I, I didn't even give you accolades yet, but you do do beautiful photos. Yeah. I see your work, you know, from day one up to now, this point, like it's just freaking incredible, Thanks, by the way. So congratulations for that. And hopefully in the we have, have audiences. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, really what I would do is I usually, I don't have my camera or set up on a tripod yet at this point. You know, I'm just kind okay. of carrying it around. And, like, I have the live screen, right? So I, I don't really use my viewfinder too much. Gotcha. I'm more so just on the live view. And I'll just sort of start walking around and sort of looking at the camera, seeing where my angles are and seeing what makes a good composition, you know? Obviously, this is something that I had to learn over time because it used to be just like, oh, that's cool. Click. Oh, that's cool. Right, right. But right. now I spend more time, you know, oh, I got to try this angle. And I look at it, no, that's not quite the right angle. So I'll adjust and I'll try something different, right? And I've learned now, you know, to use up the picture space a little better, you know, have some leading lines somewhere. So I try to find even, like, um, implied lines. You know, there may not be actual physical walkway here to right, follow. Right, right. But mm -hmm. if you got, like, a row of streetlights, a row of streetlights can act as an implied line because you gotcha. can see the depth in the photo. You know, you got the bigger one and the smaller one. They get smaller and they create Absolutely, that implied yeah. line. So I sort of learned how to create depth or like a 3D feel in a mm -hmm. two-dimensional image, right? So that's usually what I do is I'll just sort of walk around and I'll end up taking hundreds of photos at one spot kind of thing. And I might get 10 that I really like out of it. Mm -hmm. And sort of just go through the ones that I want, and then I'll also edit them and color correct and right. you know, fix them up. Because cameras can only do so much, you know. Oh, absolutely. They, they don't see as good as our eyes. No, no. So <laughs> when I see something, I'm like, oh, that's what I see. And I take a picture. And I'm like, well, that's not what the camera sees. No. So what I try to do is correct the camera just to fill in the gaps that maybe right. I couldn't figure out. Now, I know that some photographers, um, I haven't been able to do it just because you already seen like how many stuff that I have yeah, with me and I forget things all the time. So and I do have one of those. Uh, what do you call those things? The color checkers. 
Um, I think that's what they're called. Anyway, they come in a little case. So you have the video portion and you have the white balance and you have... Okay. Right? Do you travel around with one of those as well, the white balance cards? No, I've okay. never actually seen one. Uh, yeah. so oh, really? Yeah. I actually have one. They're expensive, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so don't even waste don't your waste time your with time, it. Man. Don't waste your time. Um, there are time and places where they're absolutely, you know, called for if you have, like, a big client. Yeah. yeah. Right? And... Because that big client, chances are they've probably worked with other professionals in the business. Yeah, exactly. So, you, of course, you want to impress them with the gear. It's not because you need it, yeah, yeah. but they don't understand that you know what you're doing just by eyeballing, yeah. right? So you want to have all these little perks around. Just to show them that you Because that's why you're charging them, right? Yeah. You see? <laughs> like, yeah, you're paying for my time, my equipment. You know, you're basically renting my gear and everything as well, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so actually what I do for a lot of that color correcting and knowing where my exposure levels are at is on my camera, it has the histogram. Got it. And at first, I didn't know how to use it or what it even meant, and then I finally started doing some research and looked up kind of... Yeah, so I just started using the histogram, learned out how, what it meant. So when I take my initial photo, I've got the histogram on my screen, and I make sure that I'm not overexposing or underexposing. I just want to make sure that my lighting is in the middle. And then once I get it into post-processing, I use Lightroom and Photoshop. is new to me, but I have it. But I mostly use Lightroom, and then I'll bring in like the three-color histogram. So it's got the red, blue, and green histogram. And that's when I kind of do my adjustments and I try to make sure everything balances from the whites to the blacks and like make sure there's a good even flow. It, it's basically a nice way to visualize because, you know, every phone screen, every computer screen, everything you look at the photo on is different. They all have their different brightnesses, different settings, and you don't know if it looks good on my phone, is it really going to look good on your phone or on a computer screen? So the histogram, I find, actually just tells you what the image actually looks like. And so if you can keep it balanced in the histogram, it's going to look good on the map. Keep that thought in mind. And we will be right back after these commercials. We need a paper. Yeah, right? That's so big time right now, right? So you mentioned, I also want to go into the editing process as well. Because I want people that are tuning in for the first time and I also I think about getting a camera or whatnot um, to know that okay, this is a place they can also come and get, you know, photography tape yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and there's something else you mentioned. I want to go back to that before, then we can fast forward to where we were. You talk about when, we, when you first started. Yeah. When you first started, you were using your phone. Yeah. See, I think this is so important because people don't understand. First and foremost, if you have the money, right, you... You know, mom and dad is going to give you like twenty thousand dollars or fifteen grand. Sure, go go ahead. Get yourself a red camera, right? But I remember, and I can relate to your experience. The only reason why I I, I got into videography and photography was because I, I um my brother was an artist, and I wanted to, and I actually made a song, and I wanted to um shoot a video for it. And so I thought that maybe I could go around. I was in Windsor, Ontario at the time. So I thought I could go around and, you know, maybe hire somebody. But the prices were so high that I was frustrated. A friend of mine said, hey, won't you just go and get a camera? I had no idea. I went on YouTube. YouTube told me, just go buy this. It'll look like this, which is not even the case. Yeah. So ultimately, I, I wound up getting 
um, a camera, but before I got the camera, the music video I shot on the iPhone 3G. No kidding. <laughs> the 3G. The 3, <laughs> not, yo, but it's still like one of the dopest music video yeah. that yeah. I've shot to date. Like, I love that music video just because. Oh, oh, it's crazy what you can do with just your phone. Right. right. You know, and I was like back then. So I want people to understand, like, you don't need the uh, the most expensive gear out there to get started. I think you just need um, um, the inspirations and the motivation to want to go through it. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I definitely agree. Like, obviously, having a high-end camera would make the picture quality probably a little better, mm -hmm. a little higher resolution. But if you've got an eye for it and you can visualize it, it really just comes down to you creating it. You know, you can take a picture with your phone. Maybe your phone doesn't take the best pictures in the world, but that's why we have post-process, mm -hmm. right? If you do that editing, a lot of good photos come from an edit. If you see anywhere on Instagram, you know, the photographers that you're following, all the famous big ones, you know, they show you their before and their after. Mm -hmm. And when you see the before picture, it just looks like anybody's old photo. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, it's dark, it's got shadows, you can't Absolutely, see Absolutely, yeah. And then they show you their edited right. photo where they've brightened it up, right. they've brought the colors out, right? And a lot of a good photo comes down to that editing process, I think, because like I was saying before, camera can only do so much. You know, it can't take a perfect quality photo that our eyes can see. You know, because we can balance the highlights with the shadows very mm -hmm. well, but a camera doesn't. You know, you're either underexposing or you're overexposing. Mm -hmm. So what I've tended to do now that I've kind of learned that is that I will purposely underexpose my photos because it's always better to try to recover the shadows than to blow out the highlights. Gotcha. If you blow out the highlights, there is no recovering them. You know, it goes straight to white and that part of the image is now gone. Mm -hmm. You can't recover it. Whereas if you kind of underexpose just the touch, you can always in post add some exposure and bring up those shadows and still keep the colors of the sky right because you're also shooting always for the sky as well yeah. Now yeah. some people might be now of course this is a different technique when we get into portraiture and shooting people yeah. by the way i've oh, seen so you different. shot you shot some people like portraiture yeah. that you've yeah. done how do you find that experience it's definitely more of a challenge for yeah. me yeah. um not so much that i'm introverted or anything i love dealing with people you know i talk to people all the time but whenever I'm out doing photography, doing landscapes, I'm usually just sort of in my own zone. I got, I'm got just, it. I'm like, I got this, and I'm sort of focused on that. When you throw a model into the mix, it immediately is like, okay, now I got somebody else to worry <laughs> about, and I got to make sure that he's doing what I need right. him to do. You know, I got to position them, make sure, because like, they can't see what I'm doing on the, the camera side. Right. So I got to make sure that they're sitting in the right spot. I'll move a little to the left, move a little to the right. You know, turn your head this way. You know, a it's a lot of learning for me because it took me a long time to figure that out. You know, at first it was just like, okay, stand there. I don't know what to tell you. Click, click. And then I started kind of learning, okay, what do other photographers do in their mm -hmm. portraits? You know, how do they pose the model? Which posi like, position do you put them in? Where do you put them in the image or in the picture mm -hmm. frame, right? So many different techniques. And then I, then I got a different lens. And I think a lot of it comes down to the lens as mm -hmm. well. You know, <laughs> having that shallow depth of right. field for portraiture mm -hmm. is almost essential because, right. like, it's got nice, clear focus on the subject, and then you can blur out the background or the foreground, or, you know, you can add that depth that way. Whereas when it comes to what I do normally, landscape photography or nighttime sort of long exposures, it's more of a, I want the full mm -hmm. range. You know, I want everything from close to far away. Mm -hmm. focus. So I'm using a very, very tight aperture, you know, F18, F20 kind of thing. But with the... Portraits, you know, F2, F2.5, yeah, yeah. somewhere in that mm -hmm. range, right?
Um, so I started doing something recently, which I think is super crazy, but I like it. I like it a lot. In fact, I like it so much. So typically you do this type of settings when you're doing, um, when you're say shooting for sports or fast moving athletes and whatnot. Um, but I started to really kick up that shutter. Like I would kick up that shutter and I would keep it at like one point, uh, uh, F1 point, the lowest I can keep it at, yeah. F1.2 yeah. or 1.8 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just kick up the shutter to up to like sometime even like a 1,000 or like 2,000. I shot like 2,000 before. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like I also do that with video as well. People don't realize. So when you start to see those like really milky video quality, it does take a longer time to edit. But at the end of the day, um, just because you put in that little extra thing, people don't realize it. Yeah. And they're wondering, why does your video look so much different than my video, yeah. right? So there's all these little nuances and techniques oh, that you can... Oh, yeah, there's so many little tricks. So many, and too like, many. Again, you don't need a high-end camera you to do don't. those things. A lot of, like, like my, the camera that I use right now is, like, a mid-to-entry-level right. camera. It's very low right. end, right? And I think that it takes good enough photos that, you know, they're... Like you, they're printed, right. you know. You can blow them up. They're huge. Right. Like they got good resolution. You don't lose quality when they get bigger. So That's awesome. You know, as long as you're taking a good shot, and you can make any camera really do what. I know you're absolutely right. So now let's go to the uh, editing software. So editing software, what do you use to edit? Uh, mostly light. Lightroom. That's my go-to. Um, there's a couple times where I'll use like Adobe Photoshop or like blending so I can do composite or layer a couple photos together. I'm still pretty new at that. I'm more of like a single exposure mm -hmm. kind of guy. I take one frame, one shot, that is gotcha. my image. Um, but uh, I have tried to blend, you know, stars into a black mm -hmm. sky before, things like that. Um, and then just a little bit of Snapseed because Snapseed has just these couple little mm -hmm. filters that I use at the end after I've edited it in Lightroom. Then I'll bring it into Snapseed and just apply these last couple little filters that maybe Lightroom doesn't have to offer. Isn't it you crazy yeah. how yeah. many steps? People don't realize this. Yeah. When yeah. a client hires you, they think you're just there to take a picture. Mm -hmm. How hard could it be? Yeah. Oh, it's easy, right? <laughs> just go there and click a shutter, right. right? No, yeah, there's definitely so much more to it, too. That's why usually when I'm, like, dealing with a portrait shoot, you know, and I have a client, right, I, I charge per the hour for both shooting and editing. Gotcha. So my time includes my editing. If it's like if you just want photos straight out of the camera, I'll just give you the photos straight out of the camera. That's fine. But if you want those high quality looking nice photos that are color balanced, and you want me to do my editing, there's an extra charge, you know, for editing. And how do you well, gauge yeah. your fees on? Um, basically, I, like I said, it's just like an hourly thing. I, I do fifty dollars an hour for both shooting and editing. My basic photo package, if you wanted, say, five to ten images edited and a one-hour shooting, would be about $100, right? That'd be $50 for the hour of shooting, $50 for an hour of editing kind of thing. So that's where I start, and then I go up from there if you want additional images or if you want to shoot at multiple locations, if there's travel time involved, you know, things like that start adding up. I've actually done a couple uh, works for clientele using my drone, too. So, like, they actually wanted some aerial shots of their project they were working on. So I went and flew the drone around, got them their aerial shots, and, you know, they paid for that. Because you can't really fly around the area, you know. You can't just go up in a helicopter whenever you no, want. No, no, so. no. Nobody does that anymore. And who has that kind of money? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, companies right? do. I don't. Yeah. So I, drones yeah, work I perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you edit in Lightroom. 
Um, and I've always struggled with Lightroom editing. I was telling a friend of mine just the other day, just last night, actually, I was telling a friend of mine how much of a struggle it is for me to edit with Lightroom. I think when I started initially editing, I learned how to edit on Photoshop. And because it gave you this control. Photoshop is very powerful. <laughs> and it very gives you powerful. all these control. I mean, it takes forever to do freaking edit and do all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it gives you all this control. And at the end of the day, you're still satisfied with what you can come oh, out oh, yeah. with I mean, that. I mean, I, if I knew Photoshop better, I probably would have gone there. It was just easier for me to start with Lightroom, you know, just get that one app that I needed. It's good on the phone and the computer, so I could I actually do a lot of my editing right on my phone, mm -hmm. um, except for the ones where I really got to get some fine detail mm -hmm. and it's hard to zoom in mm -hmm. on your phone and get those smaller details, then maybe I'll edit that on the computer. But most of my editing, I just take them straight off my camera, put them into my online cloud, Get them up on my phone and then just start and just do right it from there, yep. dude. That's so pretty I can awesome. Do it on the road while I'm out doing my travels, I can upload photos that are edited, fully ready to go while I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I've started to get into that little uh, recently now, and I started to sort of minimize and also to the workload as well. You're looking at time, time is money, so I've started to like actually bring myself to saying, okay, you don't need to spend all that time, you know. And even just doing it with Lightroom where you're able to, one of the features that they have in Lightroom, which I wish photo ha Photoshop has it, but it's not as simple, right? Where you're able to do that, uh, you edit one image, you put the effects on the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah, you can just sort of save it as a preset and just sort of load it onto all the photos that you took at the same location, yeah. same lighting. That way, you know, the edits will apply to both. Awesome. So what are you looking forward to now? This podcast is coming to an end now. What are you looking forward to? Just going forward in general. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, looking, I'm forward. looking forward to hopefully getting back to some sort of sense of normality, being able to travel again. Right. I, I definitely... And missing that, you know, I had the travel bug last five years in a row. I've done an annual trip somewhere. You know, I've gone to California two or three times, Denver, Minneapolis, all the way across Canada to PEI and back. And this year I've just been sort of stuck. And it's definitely starting to weigh on me. It's just like with all the things going on in the world and trying to keep working, it's just getting really stressful and mentally exhausting. And I just need a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a break. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Actually, I plan to go to Ivory Coast in December. Um, I'm hoping that the I know that the borders are closed right now, but there's rumor that they might be open come the 29th of next month. So I'm hoping they they, they open up fairly soon because I I do want to go to Ivory Coast in December because I mean I haven't been home since I left <laughs> so it's going to be a complete culture shock and of course I want to be able to still do this podcast I'm not sure if I will have like a two camera setup mm -hmm. but I think that um even just having a one camera setup because the podcast itself is video and audio which you went on YouTube and you see in the yep. the video version there. and I want to do it because the thing is that a lot of radios from like way back in the days you don't you don't hear about them anymore but if those radio shows had cameras, then those video clips would be somewhere. Yeah, they'd still be right? there circulating. And this is yeah. going to live on forever, so I want to make sure. Yeah, but I am looking forward to that. Um, what has been your method really surviving this COVID thing? Like, 
Um, well, I mean, my social cohort's already kind of small. You know, I just have my select group of friends that I hang out with, so I've just sort of limited it to continuing that sort of trend. Um, obviously not traveling, not going down to the States right now. It seems like it's a little crazy down there right now. So probably just better off, put that off for a little while. Um, I've been reading a lot of books, you know, whenever I have the time, uh, in the winter time anyways, if it's nice outside, I'm outside. You know, I basically this whole summer I've been doing a lot of gardening, you know, growing some fruits and vegetables, trying to make some harvests, right? And then just whenever the weather is bad, go inside, read a book, do a puzzle, you know, just find what have you what have time. you read recently that's exciting? Well, I've been reading this uh, ten part series actually, <laughs> written by of all people Elron Hubbard. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a Scientology book or anything. It's one of his fiction works. Okay. But it's basically about an alien race, but it's written from the point of view of the aliens. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's I'm a whole sorry, thing. I'm laughing, it's quite yeah. an adventure. It's, it no, it's actually quite okay. humorous too. It's it's a lot of satire. You know, he makes fun of people. It's written back in the 80s. Okay. But the weird thing is is that as I'm reading his books, a lot of the things that he was complaining about back then still apply today. Right. And it's like, wow, he was thinking the same thing that we are 40 right, years right. ago. You know, so a lot of things, even though they've changed a lot in technology and stuff like that, a lot of the world issues are still the same. Yeah, they haven't changed very much, have they? Yeah. Uh, uh, which takes me back to one of my favorite books, uh, 1984, which was written in um, by George Orwell. We're just going to finish our thud and wrap this up. So that was written in the 50s, uh, 50s and 40s by George Orwell talking about come the year 1984, you right. will have... He was talking about the future. He was talking about the future. Time. You know, you will have Big Brothers watching. Now it's even crazier. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've yeah. gone past Big Brother now. We have GPS system that's tracking us everywhere oh, yeah. we go. It's actually it's funny you mention that because, yeah, this series that I'm reading, written in the 80s, is actually based in the future. And he doesn't actually put a year on it. There's no number, but if you kind of gauge what he's saying through right. context, I think the book is almost based right around now, 2020, 2030. Wow. Somewhere in that range is where he was writing about, and his idea was that we've already overpopulated, we've polluted the atmosphere. <laughs> you know, his vision of Earth is that we were going south right. real quick, and we're there now. We're <laughs> so, living it. So he was wrong about a few things, but you know, he was he was on the right track for a few things as well. You know? Awesome. Um, well, tell the people we got to wrap this up. Tell the people where they can find you real quick, and I come in with my closing. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Mikey Travels. That's two underscores between Mikey Travels. I'm also Mikey Beats and Mikey Boards. Uh, Mikey Beats is my music page. We didn't really get into music today, but I do also make music. And Mikey Boards is my snowboard page. So Instagram, and then if you're on Facebook, Mikey B Photography. And uh, the True Paradox Productions, that's my music. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, that was definitely. Uh, I, I also have the handles and whatnot where they can find you uh, of the things. Look, I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, another episode of 18 Avenue Podcast. So, guys, if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Instagram as well, 18 Avenue Podcast. Um, that's the handle will be there. All this information will be there. And be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Anchor Podcast, uh, Google Podcast. You know, this is a new platform. And we just want to be able to uh, connect with our friends and bring in people that have interesting stories that they want to share with the rest of the world. And we hope that this does something to your life. And if it does, please give us a thumbs up. 
and we are out of here.